Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. What do you call a computer floating in the ocean? Adele rolling in the deep. <laughs> you want more? Come up here, camera. You're in worship at... I'm just going to show you just how unspiritual I can be sometimes, and I probably shouldn't show you that. What's on his shirt? Camera on his shirt. I thought that was kind of interesting. That's his name. That's why I wore it. Oh, okay. You're a walking pun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Amen. Well, it's a good thing that's not all we're getting out of church today. Let's go to First uh, Kings chapter 18. Today I want to uh, start uh, just a two-part message from today and then going into next week called What to Do When Your Faith is Challenged. What to do when your faith is challenged. Now, your, your faith is going to be challenged. It either is going to be just was or is being now. But that's the life of the believer because the scripture says that we are of a kingdom that is not of this world, right? And so because we're not of this world, everything about this world is in resistance to us. And, and, and specifically, though, our faith in God because, because this world is governed by senses and natural laws. Our bodies the way we operate and live and, and survive in many ways is because we have these five senses. But these things have to do with this world, but there's this other sense, this sixth sense, this God sense of people called faith that, that is, is more sure than all of those things. It's the substance of those things hoped for, the evidence of those things not seen, right? So that's why we need to, to, to hold on to faith and to, to guard our faith and to continue to declare our faith in God because everything else in life, in this world, the flesh, the devil, are all resisting that, all right? So I want to just help encourage you today. And we're going to look at this Old Testament passage of Scripture to glean some truths from that. Now, we don't conduct our lives, live our lives, if we're going to find you know, how we should live our life and how we should. We don't usually go to the Old Testament to find that because really what we find there, if we try to apply what's in the Old Covenant now we find ourselves falling miserably short of its standards because it, didn't, it wasn't for us. The old, the old covenant was not to us as Gentiles. That was to make na Israel a nation. Those were laws that governed the nation of Israel. And once the, the law came, and this is how God governed Israel through those laws, then they became separated unto God from everyone else. All right? And they were known as and still are known as God's people. All right? God's people. So set, they're, they set apart them from everybody else in the world. Matter of fact, when God said one of the laws, one of the Ten Commandments, as, we, as we've come to know through the years, is, is thou shalt not, I'm going to give you King James Version, thou shalt not kill, right? But Israel killed a lot of people after that law came. All right? What that law specifically meant was don't kill each other. Anybody else is fair game. <laughs> And this is, how, this is how the Lord dealt with people at one time. He had his eyes on a specific nation, a specific people. But when Christ came, he opened up this covenant, a new covenant, 
to all the world, to all of us who are on the outside, and that which is, makes up 99.8% of the world. All right, us Gentiles, us strangers and foreigners, as Paul said, remember that you once Gentiles, you were foreigners to the covenants. You were strangers to the covenants of promise, and those promises didn't apply to you, but now in Christ, you have been brought near by the blood. Thank you, Lord, for that, huh? You brought us into this covenant. So now, but we're going to look over here because we read the old covenant not to find out how to necessarily conduct our lives, but really we go there to find Jesus because he's all throughout the scriptures. And from that position of faith in him, we can take truths from there and live by those truths, all right? But it all has to be within the right perspective, all right? From our new covenant position, from our position of faith in God, faith in Christ, then, then these things don't become things that we strive to do or perform for God. These, these become things that we can live in by faith in Jesus, okay? So Amen. we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter, what chapter did I say? 18. And we're going to begin in verse 17. 1 Kings 18, verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab, who was the king of Israel, saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? It's quite a greeting, isn't it? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. In that, you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals or the Baals. But that takes too long to say, so we'll just say Baals, okay? Uh, you have forsaken, and the, the word Baal means, it's the pagan word for Lord, all right? That you have, you have gone after other lords, followed other lords. So they took another lord uh, other than the Jehovah God, or along with, I should say. Look at 17 again, the latter part, Ahab said to him, are, is that you, O troubler of Israel? One of the things I want you to remember today, the first thing, when it comes to your faith being challenged, that, that is, don't take it personally. Because you're going to be tempted to take it personally. And if you take it personally, then your whole perspective gets skewed. Um, confusion comes in, and then you start asking really the wrong questions. It'll cause you to start questioning God rather than keeping your, your pers- the right perspective and understanding that God's on your side. God's not putting this on you. God's not doing this, and God hasn't abandoned you. God's not allowing this to happen, as, as so many religious people say. Why is he? Al- well, he didn't do it, but he allowed it. All right? Now, listen, he's not, he's not like that. He's on your side. He's with you. He came to give you life and that more abundant. There is an idiot out there called the devil. All right? And he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. All right? He is an enemy of God. You have to remember in those moments of trouble when it's hard to see, when confusion wants to, wants to when your faith is challenged, and sometimes you, you, you want to take it personally. Don't take it personally. Remember the bigger picture. This really isn't about you. It's about your faith. These troubles and these things that are coming in resistance to you, they're coming in resistance to your faith. Really, ultimately, they're coming against the Word of God that's in you. Remember Jesus told that parable about the sower sowing the seed, right? And he says that some, when it was sown in men's hearts, that word that was sown in men's hearts, Satan comes when? Immediately to steal that word. Because he knows this about the word of God and how powerful it is. And that is, uh, we learned in, in Romans chapter 10, Paul said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So along with the word of God coming into your life, guess what else is coming? Faith. So if you can get the word, and get your faith. Okay, so that's, that's, what he, that's what he's after. Your faith is being challenged. It's not necessarily you. It's 
your faith in God. So if you'll keep that right perspective when the trouble comes and when you fall into various and sundry trials, that you won't get rocked, that you'll stand firm on the Word of God and, and believe God no matter what you're seeing, no matter what you're experiencing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Because the enemy, he, he's just a liar. That's all he's ever going to do. Scripture says he was a murderer from the beginning. He's the one, he's the father of lies. And so he's always going to be telling you the wrong thing. He's always going to be talking to you about how wrong you are and make you feel like God doesn't like you. Come on, you guys been walking this thing long enough that you know that that's true, that he just, he, he always, and, and see, that's, that's really the birth of religion. That's what births all kinds of religions, actually. It, it, that is that, that they first find something wrong with you and then go to the Bible to find some, something to apply from the Bible that will fix you. All right? Rather than, and they say things like this. Now, I, I, you, you might have heard this before. Take it to the cross, brother. You got to take it to the cross. You got to take it to the cross. Well, where's the verse of Scripture that tells me that? I've heard lots of people say it, but I've never read a scripture that told me to take it to the cross. I have read the scripture that says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not trying to die. I'm already dead. If I'm dead, if I'm crucified with Christ, what else can I take to the cross? Hmm? But it's, it's just kind of religious thinking, and a lot of the preaching on the cross, unfortunately, in a lot of churches, is about the cross you're supposed to bear rather than the cross that Jesus bore. Now, if this is about us, if this is as good as it gets, my family, us us. Constantly having to be crucified, us having to take something to the cross. I don't want in this deal. I need something greater than that. And there is something greater than that. Christ died for my sins. Christ died for our sins. Aren't you blessed by that today? It's Christ and his cross. And we identify with his death, his burial, his resurrection. I'm not going to add to what Jesus did if I keep taking something to the cross. No, it's better than that. Jesus went to the cross so that you could go to a place called the throne of grace. I do have that scripture that says where we should take something. That is where we should go. We should go to the throne of grace. Jeremiah quoted it this morning. It's Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If we have to keep taking something to the cross, then Jesus didn't finish the work. But he did finish the work so that we have bold access to the throne of grace. Think about that. It's a, what a great invitation from God Almighty to call us to this throne of grace. Now remember what the throne of grace is. We all remember what grace is? Unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor from God. In other words, it's simply because God wants to be good to you. It's simply what God wants to give you. That's what his grace is. Not anything you deserve or perform for. It's just what he wants to give you. And he says, come to that place, the throne of grace. Yeah, but Lord, I mean, I don't feel very bold in coming to the throne of grace after what I said after the way um, I spoke to my spouse or, you know, or, or for what I did, I, I don't feel comfortable to come boldly before the throne of grace. Hey, that's the beauty. It's called grace. Yes. Yes. 
This isn't called the throne of reward. It's called the throne of grace. That's actually the time to go. <laughs> I mean, all times, really. But, but whenever you're feeling unworthy, when you're feeling down on yourself, that's actually the time to step out in faith. Remember, we're talking about staying in faith. And, and forget how you feel about it. Do what he says. Just trust him. God knows what he's talking about. He didn't say, now, unless you've sinned, you can't be coming in the throne of grace. It's an open invitation. Because where sin abounded, what did grace do? Grace much more abounded. What do you need when you've sinned? Hello. We need grace, don't we? Because it's greater than our sin. But you come before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, whatever your need is. It's not just about a sin issue because Jesus has really dealt with our sin. But that going to the throne of grace will keep you in constant reminder that he has eradicated your sin. If you think you've got to keep going to a cross, you're never going to get victory in your life. Hmm? Okay. Well, that was good preaching. It was okay amening. Charlie, you got my back all the time. I love you, man. Satan, Satan hates God because you're created in his image. You're the closest thing that he can attack. He, he can't touch God directly, so he attacks him vicariously through you, through his image, through those who look. I was talking to my best friend Stephen this morning. I said, if, if, I, if you came over to my house and I was out in my garage and I had a big picture of your grandmother on my wall and I was throwing darts at her, you'd take that personally, wouldn't you? wouldn't appreciate that, even though I'm not really hurting his grandmother, yet it's the image. Yeah. Yeah. See, God yeah. takes it personally. God himself takes it personally when the devil does what he does to you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, when he attacks you. So since he can't touch God that way, he goes through you. Hey, let's minimize, let's minimize his success in that yeah. by staying in faith, yeah. by believing God, minimize his success in that. Yeah. Um, the great Martin Luther, I love Martin Luther. It was Martin Luther who wrote, who uh, nailed the uh, 95 Theses to the Wittenberg Castle door to challenge the Pope to a debate in 1517. When he got the revelation, the just shall live by faith, it changed everything. We are where we are and who we are today. Much credit to Martin Luther. The one who stood alone against a mighty, mighty, mighty machine. He said, reason is a whore. The greatest enemy that faith has, it never comes to the aid of spiritual things, but more frequently than not struggles against the divine word, treating with contempt all that emanates from God. See, if you reason too much, your heart can't really flourish in, in life. It really can't. Be, and you can. How many of you know you can reason too much? Yeah. <laughs> what was it, a week and a half ago, last week sometime? We didn't know how many guerrilla experts there were in the world until that incident <laughs> in Cincinnati. We had no idea that all, we had all these stellar parents, if they would have just talked to them, the mom and dad would just talk to the, these people commenting on the internet. This never would have happened. 
But it's an easy thing to do, to be the judge and the jury on your phone. You're not accountable to anybody. You can just say whatever. But you've got to make sure everybody else is accountable. That's what reasoning does. It's madness. If we stick to our own reasoning, the scripture says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. Just reason right ourselves right into death. Hmm? So we need something greater than just our own reasoning. Uh, you can get into all kinds of philosophies and, and ideas about the Bible and forget about the Bible itself and completely miss the truth of the Word of God. Yeah. I remember reading some years ago about a, a man who was in prison, who was incarcerated, and so he decided to, to read his Bible and what he found was he started writing how many times the word the was in the Bible, the word, uh, all, the, all the articles, you know, and, then, and, and wrote all that. And that, that's what he came up with was statistics of how many words were in the Bible, and, but nothing about it changed him. Philosophy means lover of wisdom. The moment that you get into philosophy... You begin to love wisdom more than loving the Word of God. But David said, oh, how I love your Word. It is my meditation all the day. If you'll let the Word of God be your ultimate guide, you'll have a much better life. Let's go to verse 19 of 1 Kings chapter 18. Ready? Now, therefore, send and gather, this is Elijah speaking, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. How many are there total? 850. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Now at this point, Elijah is convinced that he's the only one in Israel that worships only the, true, the one true and living God. It wasn't completely accurate because God had reserved a sect of people that he didn't know about until a couple of chapters later we see that God gives him this revelation that there's like 7,000 reserved that have not bowed the knee to Baal. But Elijah was speaking the truth in that he was the only prophet at that time because Israel had killed all the other prophets. So he's the only one that's alive, and he says, and now they're after me. But here he is. It's 850 people shouting one opinion, and now here's Elijah standing all alone to speak for God. The second thing I want you to remember today when it comes to your faith being challenged. Do not be intimidated by numbers and power. Amen. Do not be intimidated by numbers and power. Because don't be intimidated by how many times the devil comes at you with another temptation, with another health issue, with another calamity. All right? Um, the, uh, the North won the Civil War not because they had the best general. The South had the better general, the name of Robert E. Lee. Matter of fact, the North general, Ulysses S. Grant, said, I will not play chess with Robert E. Lee because he knew he didn't have that kind of military mind. But what Grant had that Robert E. Lee didn't have was numbers. Matter of fact, the, Northern, uh, the, the Union soldiers outnumbered the Confederate soldiers 10 to 1. So they won by sheer numbers, just overcame. And so... Um, because this, this whole thing has been so inaccurately recorded because the North won the war, so they got to write the history books. But you're going to learn some things maybe you didn't know. 
that Robert E. Lee did not own slaves. The southern general did not, own, did not believe in it. The northern general, Ulysses S. Grant, did have slaves all the way to the end of the war. This is Abraham Lincoln's general. And they all try to make it, this whole thing was about abolishing slavery. When Robert E. Lee's fight was about states' rights. And Abraham Lincoln, a lot of great things about that man, but let's just remember this today, that he is the only president to ever declare war on his own people. And over 500,000 men died because of that war, more than any other war. Combine them all, and it's still far out in numbers, the casualties of all wars put together. Amen. See, the enemy uses this tactic of numbers against you, challenging everything that you believe. And he's going to come at, your money is going to come at your relationship, your health, your job, but faith in God is your sure victory every time. All right? Faith in God. Well, what does that mean to have faith in God? It means to believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. That's what the spirit of faith is, believing and speaking. All right? Don't stay silent. That's the moment to speak up and speak out. Faith comes by hearing. Faith is released by speaking. Yes. It's the number one action of faith is your confession. Amen. My, my parents incurred something a bit like this, especially my mother. When my, me and my brother were nine and eight years old, somewhere around there, we were living in southern Oklahoma still. We were playing on, the, it, it had snowed and, and iced. It actually iced over. And uh, we were at my grandparents' house, and they lived up on a hill, and so we were sliding down this, this hill, and, uh, but my brother, his feet slipped out from under him, and he banged his, the back of his head on the ice, and immediately his eyes blackened. And um, so they, they uh, brought my brother in and were you know, looking him over. You know, uh, in southern Oklahoma, you didn't have much money, so you had to be the doctor. So once they figured out that it didn't seem you know, really that terrible, even though his eyes were black, which means his brain had tore away from the front of his head and blood ran down into, down in here. So, but my parents just, you know, thought, well, he'll be okay, you know. Well, a couple of months go by, and in that couple of months, he's having these horrific headaches. And, and so bad that he, all he could do is just lay on the couch. It used to scare me as his older brother. I'd come in there because I wanted to beat him up. I didn't want anything else to beat him up. You know, I wanted to be the one that caused the pain. But he would lay in there, and he just, it would just make him so sick, and he was hurting so bad. And finally, my mother tells my dad, we need to take him to the doctor. Hey, there you go. So uh, we, we really need to do something about this. Well, the Lord had spoken to her uh, one day while she was praying for my brother, while he was having one of those episodes, that, that God had healed him. And uh, so she just kind of kept it to herself and shared it with some of her friends, but had a lot of resistance from her friends. They were saying, yeah, okay, but that's good, but you're going to take him to the doctor still, right? But you're still going to, I mean, they're well-meaning, good friends. But, and so she, she finally said, okay, we're going to go. But she already had it settled in her heart that he was healed. So finally dad agreed to go, and they went up, they were heading up to Oklahoma City, and they get up just about 10, 15 miles north of Thackerville in a little town called Marietta. And mom says, John, I haven't told you this. But the Lord spoke to me and told me that Brandon is healed. 
So dad pulls over and is about to turn around and head back home. He goes, well, if that's true, then we're done. We'll just, he's healed then. She said, no, 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 I need to, I, I want to prove it. I want the doctor to say it. I want, I want the scans to show it that he's healed. So he said, okay. So they went on up to Oklahoma City and they ran the test, um, CAT scan, x-ray, something like that, wherever they could see it. And the doctor confirmed that there had been an accident. There had been trauma there, but all of it was healed. There was just a little bit of scar tissue. He said, he said there shouldn't be any problem with your son. He said, you guys got lucky. And mom goes, no, 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 we didn't get lucky. God healed our son. Well, okay. So they head home, they head home and, uh, and report this to their friends, but they all wanted to see proof of it in my brother. Never had one more headache again. Not ever again. Not one more episode. Nothing ever came again. I want to encourage you today that, that though you be outnumbered, let me remind you that the greater one lives in you. The greater one lives in you. Say this with me. God plus me equals the majority. Amen. You win there. The, the, the enemy comes at you like a flood. The scripture says the Lord will raise up a standard against him. All right. God is on your side. Don't let those numbers and power ever intimidate you. Look at verse 21. We must continue. What time is it? 12.03. Okay. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. So Israel wasn't exactly abandoning the Lord. They were just adding some, another Lord to their pagan Lord to the, God of, the great God Jehovah just to make sure all their bases were covered, just in case Jehovah isn't who he says he was, even though they'd already seen it. They wanted to make sure. So they, they were caught between two decisions. Most of the problems in life have simple answers. Most of the problems that you and I have are caused by not making a simple decision. And see, you are, as a child of God, you have the one, the Spirit of God, who guides you into all truth, living in you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, I don't know know how to hear God. Are you a Christian? Yeah, you know how to hear Him. You do too. If you really get honest about it, you do know how to hear God. You're just not doing what He tells you to do. Can we we talk grown-up talk for just a moment? Huh? Just do what he says, because you, you know your heart. he's never going to guide you in the wrong way, ever. All right, well, I don't know. How, yes, you do too know how to hear. He said you know how to hear. Listen to him. Follow him. Make a decision. Most of the time, it just comes down to a decision, and those problems linger because you just haven't made a decision. So choose. That's what Elijah says this. You got to make a choice, guys. What did, what did uh, Joshua say? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Made a decision. Glory to God. Most problems have a simple answer. But see, the enemy's crafty. Because what he'll do is he'll talk about all your past failed decisions. Right? And kind of muddy the waters. And now you find that you can't make any decisions at all without being challenged. Look at verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it and it, 
and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, sounds like a good idea. Well spoken. So he said, make a decision, and now he makes it easy for them to make a decision. All right, this is what we're going to do, guys. Black and white right here. It's either that God or this God. And we're going to see the fire come down, and whichever God sends down the fire, that's the real God. Everybody good with that? Yeah, sounds good. Verse 25, now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull, which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. That's a long prayer. Saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And it was, and so it was at noon that Elijah, I like Elijah, he starts mocking them. Cry aloud. In other words, get louder, guys. Like, apparently he can't hear you, for he is a god. Either he is meditating or he's busy. One version says, using the bathroom. That's what he meant by that. Or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So what, what, <laughs> so what do they do? So they cried aloud, and they cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. All day long, they're calling on their God. They're, they're trying to get their false gods attention. They're cutting themselves open, bleeding all over themselves, and nothing is happening. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The third and final thing I want you to remember when your faith is being challenged, is keep God's people near you. One of the big mistakes that I've seen people do year in and year out of being in church and being a pastor and being in leadership, it amazes me that, we, that, that Christians still haven't learned this lesson after seeing, seeing what, what it does and its effects, is that when, the, when your faith is being challenged, don't leave church. They do the opposite of what they should do. That's the time to pull in closer. That's the time, that's the time to, to call people in your, in your church and say, man, help me. I'm, I'm, I, I am under attack. I need help right now. But too often, too often they, they here's the thing. Can I, just, can I talk to you like you're adults still? Can we, are we still there? All right. Don't take this personally. But kind of take it personally. It's easier to blame the church. It's just easier to do. And start finding the reasons why you don't go there so that you excuse your own self. And say, well, that somebody did this or the pastor didn't do that. Most of the time it's me. But uh, I'm fine. I'll take the blame. Whatever. Start divorcing themselves and start looking for issues here so that they can excuse their, their way out of there. And spiritualize it and say, the Lord is leading us away. Really? Did you talk to the pastor? No. He didn't have time for us. Oh, baby. (laughs) 
Come on. What is this? Is this a game we're playing? Or is this the body of Christ? Why are we a part of this? If we're going to act like teenagers in high school. Hmm? There's, this is, this is, there's so much more to this gathering than what we see in the natural. And if we get caught up in all the, just the imperfections and the flaws, then we're going to really miss what this is about. Anybody can pick faults. Anybody can find faults. Anybody can rent. Anybody, any baby can do that. It's those that will choose to put their feelings aside for once. God Almighty help us to stand up and stop being offended at every dadgum thing that happens in the world. Because if you're looking for offense, you're going to find it. Jesus said, it's impossible that offenses won't come. Hello? He says, but woe through whom they come. Listen, just because they're coming to you doesn't mean they have to come through you. You can stop them right there. All right? And let's be big, people, adults in the kingdom of God, and grow up and get over ourselves and attach ourselves to one another and to the body and not look at the imperfection. But listen, I understand that we're not perfect people. But for some reason, God has created us to be perfect for one another. And we're not made to be alone. We're made to be together in this thing. So don't leave. Cleave. Amen. Hold on to it. Because if, if you're looking for people, if, you're expe- if your expectation is in the people, you'll just be mad all the time. Believe me, I'm a, the pastor. But I love his church. I learned to love his church. I learned to love his church and understand that that's what Jesus is building. I love his church because he loves his church. I don't love the church like he does. (laughs) No way. But he so loved you. He so loved the church that he gave himself for it. Listen, Jesus died for what what we're experiencing here. It's so precious to him. And if we'll see this gathering as a thing of beauty, as a thing of glory, as something to cherish, something to hold on to, something to love, Stop getting caught up in this world's way of doing it. We're the ones that are called out, the separated ones. Understanding that we as the body of Christ need one another. If my finger just said, no, I don't want to be part of this anymore, and took off, just jumped off my hand, well, that finger's not going to prosper very well. And my body's going to suffer a bit too, right? They'll be pointing at people. (laughs) Just, Just couldn't do it. No, we all have to have each other. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, I need you. And you need me. Huh? We need each other. We need each other. That's the time. Because one of the laws, the scripture says, you'll fulfill the law of Christ when you do this. You bear one another's burdens. All right? And so fulfill the law of Christ. that's, That's the beauty of the church. That we don't point our fingers at one another. We come up and side by side with one another and we help each other and we pray for each other and we encourage each other. Huh? Amen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Stay close to God's people. Though we're not perfect, 
yet I believe that we are perfect for one another. Amen. All right, next week we'll get into some other truths out of this passage of Scripture. I hope this has blessed you today and encouraged you. Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you now. Thank you, Lord, for this gathering of believers. Thank you for these precious, precious brothers and sisters, Lord, these saints, these called out ones, God. Thank you for bringing them here today. And Father, I pray that that something from this message will resonate in their hearts and their lives, God. And all of us today will understand that our faith in God is key to everything. It's how we begin and it's how we walk. Help us, Lord, to keep the right perspective about our life when our faith is challenged, and it will be, to not lose it, to not shift, but, Lord, to stand strong in faith. Though the rains beat upon our house and the floods rise and the wind blows, yet, Lord, we will still be there when the storm is over because our faith is founded upon you, our rock. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, help us not to get caught up in petty things. To not get caught up in fleshly things. Help us, Lord, to be bigger than that. To walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Thank you, God, for the beauty of the body of Christ. The glory that is the church in the earth. Lord, because the world is hurting. The world is in need. And it needs hope. It needs healing. It needs help. It needs to hear good news. That's why we're here. Help us to be faithful, Lord, to declare it and to live it. Help us to love one another. To not be fault finders, Lord. But Lord, to remember what Jesus said, with the judgment you judge others, you will also be judged. That's a humbling thought. Help us all to see each other as Paul said, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. We understand that we are all children of God today. Bless these people. Bless their homes. Bless their families. Bless their jobs, their careers, their, their education. Bless their bodies with health, their minds with peace. Thank you, Father God, that you are always a very present help in time of need. And we thank you that the enemy is defeated and Jesus is Lord today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.